All right, if you were here last week, I'm not going to recap too much because it was, it was a lot. <laughs> um, but we're going to kind of tow, tow, we're gonna tie some bows around some of it and, um, and finish up. But I, I really want to um, and, and just uh, go on from that. So this is kind of part two. And the reason why I shared, some, I, I know some people might have been like, well, why, why, I kind of, it was a good message, but I don't know what the reason why you shared what you shared. The reason is our belief system will determine our behavior. Our belief system will determine our behavior. And our belief system, it, it's, not, it's not our behavior doesn't determine our belief system. Our belief system determines how we respond and act and live our life. And, um, and so, we, this, this concept won't be new to people that have been with us from the beginning, but for those that maybe are new to us and actually, by the way, happy birthday, Dan, for this morning. Happy birthday. It's been a lot of birthdays this week, Lani and who else? Someone else had a birthday. Bridge today as well. Awesome. And a, and a baby just, I don't know, what's nine months from the end of March? What's that? <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> What is it? Well, depths of winter, is it? <laughs> anyway, happy birthday, everyone. Uh, we, there's this word that, that Jesus uses, and he, he says, uh, where I call you my apostles. And that word was taken from the Roman times where they would uh, conquer a region or a city, and then they would say, uh, instead of killing people in that town, they realised that's not working out too well for them. So they said it's better to culturise that city to live like Rome. And so they would send an armada of ships, and the head ship of that ship was called an apostle ship. And they would be the architects, the artists, the musicians, the whatever on that ship to... Um, when they then conquer that city, they would send that ship. Instead of killing them, they would say, we want this city to live like Rome. It's, it's maybe where we get the phrase from, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? And so, uh, so they would send these apostles out to culturise the city. The word apostle isn't used before Jesus arrives, so it's not an Old Testament word. It's, it's he, he uses it. And he says, you are my apostles, right? And so he's, he's saying to his disciples, I want you to culturize earth as it is in heaven. I want you to take my realm and my world and my ideas and manifest them on planet earth. Amen? That's the prayer that he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so that's really important because Jesus, uh, Paul uses it in Ephesians 4 and he says, you know, um, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry until the fullness of Christ manifests. Right? There is an until, 
and the unity of the Son of Man. We haven't seen that happen fully yet. And, you know, I'll just give you a quick overview, but a great way to, a great way to kind of paint this picture, and I've stolen this from Danny Silk, but, um, you know, people say, oh, we, we just, you know, the evangelists come to church on a Sunday morning and they're like, why are we sitting down? Why aren't we out on the streets preaching the gospel? There's people going to hell. We need to get out there. Come on, like, let's get out. Amen. Andrew says amen, right? And that's the event. Everyone that has that evangelistic, you know, thrust and bent. And by the way, we should all have that. We should all, that should, this is, this is all of Jesus's best, right? Coming together. And then the prophets in the house see the microwave and they're like, Oh, it says one, two, three, four. It's the divine order of the Lord, you know? And, and there's everything's a prophetic. I was driving behind a car today and it said SNT, and that meant I'm a saint, you know? It's like everything's prophetic, right? I'm having a bit of fun. Okay, if you do that, that's totally fine. I love it. Um, and, you know, then the pastors in the house are like, Are you okay? Are you doing well? How's your family? What, can we provide some programs for you that will help you with your marriage? Like, you know, what do you need? What do you need? Because the pastoral heart of the shepherding heart is just there and that's, that's awesome and we need that and that's so important. Otherwise, we have a bunch of orphans running around, right? And then the uh, teacher is like, well, is it in the Bible? If it's not in the Bible, you know, it's like, it's not scripture. It's, we've got to go back to the word of God and and the, the apostle, the apostolic, kind of provides this blueprint and it provides a blueprint of like a scaffold. They're kind of like the architect that scaffolds the house and the, the prophet brings in the plumbing and the electrical work and the pastor makes sure that the walls are safe and there's safety and there's, you know, there's no th things that are going to kill people and the teacher makes sure that it's done in the right way and correct it. And we need them all. My point is, we need them all. It's not, it's not one without the other. If we don't have pastoral ministry and we just have prophetic ministry or we just have prophetic ministry without the word, it can get weird really quick. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah? Right? And so it's not one without the other. And I'm, there is a reason for me saying this as to what we're going to go into right now and tie some bows around Matthew 24 and 25 because Matthew 25 starts to talk about the kingdom of God on planet earth. And if we're going to see the fullness of the kingdom come in the way that I believe Jesus wants it to come, then we have to be a body united that's working together and celebrating the diversity in the midst of a body. I, um, a friend of mine gave this great analogy once. She said, you know, it's like I come home sometimes to my husband and he's cooking dinner and he's got the kids in the bath and he's like, hey, I really need you to, um, the husband says, hey, I really need you right now to dry the kids. And sometimes in church life, we're like, I don't do children drying ministry. I don't do that. That is not my calling from the Lord. <laughs> It's like, who cares? The children need drying. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like that just needs to be done sometimes. And sometimes that's, you know, we're like, well, the Lord has not called me to do the dishes. He has called me to preach from pulpits. <laughs> you know, and it's like, um, 
yeah, okay, well, just let's just do that first. And I, I'm not saying about Sunday morning, I'm just saying as a general culture thing. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah? Are you guys all right? Cool. All right, Matthew 24, there's my intro. Where are we up to? We're at the end of 15, I think. If you missed last week, you're going to have to podcast it. All right, we have a podcast, we have a YouTube. You can do, just go on there and listen to it and study it out for yourself. But Matthew 24 is talking about, the, Jesus is prophesying about the destruction of the temple. I mentioned something that I wanted to clarify about um, the coming of the Lord, where the disciples asked Jesus at the beginning of Matthew 24, they said, when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age, the end of the era? Um, there's, I'm going to give you some verses in a second of when Jesus talks about the coming, when the Bible, sorry, talks about the coming of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's always talking about judgment. It's always talking about he's coming in judgment. And I'm going to give you some verses in a second. All right, let me just, let me just get my bearings here for a second. We'll start at verse uh, 29, I think. Immediately after the tribulation, this is Matthew 24, verse 29. Those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear the heaven in the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trump call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the end of heaven to the other. I'm not going to go too much into the moon, stars and um, and the light there, but you know when Joseph says the moon and the stars will bow down to me? And he was talking about his mum and his dad and his brothers. And so Jesus is using prophetic language to illustrate um, the, th that there's going to be a destruction, that there's going to be something that takes place. I'm not going to go into that, that part too much, but the, the a bit where he says, coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, if you've got your, your writing notes, and this ties in with coming, the coming of the Son of Man. Um, it's a common, common Old Testament symbol for God coming in ju judgment upon ancient people and nations. I'm going to give you some verses. We're going to read just one of them. Psalm 18, verse 7 to 15. We're not going to read this one. I'm just going to read out a couple. Psalm 104, verse 3. Joel 2, 1 to 2, and Zephaniah 1, 4 and 15 talks about um, clouds or Jesus or God coming on the clouds. And we're going to read one of them, Isaiah 19, verse 1. And it says this, An oracle concerning of Egypt. Behold, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud and comes to Egypt, and the idols of Egypt will tremble at the presence in the heart of Egypt. Egyptians will melt within them. And so I believe that Jesus is illustrating this. He's talking about Jesus coming on the clouds. He's coming in judgment. And that's, a, that's a, um, one of the things that often when people have read this verse, they're like, oh, that's, how do we explain that? And it's a really good question. 
All right, verse 32, and then we're going to jump over to um, Matthew 25. So verse 32, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. So I believe Jesus, if, you're, if, you're, if this is, you didn't catch last week, you're going to be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but you have, to, you have to listen to last week. So from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender. So he's tying, remember the fig tree where he curses it in like, Matthew 22 or wherever it was. Learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, what things? The things we've just talked about, Matthew 22, 23, 24, all these things, you know that it is near and at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Again, that's talking about the current generation. Will not pass away until all these things uh, all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And here that's um, heaven and earth often in Hebraic language was known as the temple. There's multiple times it talks about heaven as the temple and earth as some people might say it's Jerusalem. Some people say it was the, uh, the link it to the curse of the fig, the curse of the ground. Um, that that's I don't know. That it could be both of those things. There's very good arguments for both of those things. I don't believe it's talking about and have the end of the world because Jesus in Matthew 28 says, "All of heaven has been given to me." So go therefore now and make disciples of all nations. It's a very strange thing to say that this is the end of the earth and then he says now all of heaven has been given to me and go therefore. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't tie in with the whole narrative of Matthew 22, 23, 24. And so I believe he's talking about the temple system and the earth, the current Jerusalem as we know it, all the curses, are going to pass away and we're going to see that what happens here in Matthew 25 so we go to Matthew 25 verse 1 then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom this is a very different narrative now from Matthew 24. Jesus is changing language from Matthew 24. All these signs right now, if they happen, flee to the mountain, flee, flee Jerusalem, flee. If there's armies outside the gates, flee, flee, flee. Don't go back into the house and get your coat. If you're pregnant, woe to you in that season. Pray that it's not in winter. Pray that it's not on the Sabbath. You know, the vineyards like this, you know, the vineyard, you know, the story in Matthew 22, the vineyard where it was given to the, to the, um, to one people. And then God says, I'm going to give it to another generation talking about the Gentiles. And he paints this picture and then he says, Matthew 25 now, he says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. He's starting to talk about a wedding feast. This is very different. <laughs> five of them were foolish and five were wise. 
For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will, there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather, and, and, um, go rather to the dealers and, and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. This is a different picture, and it's a contrasting picture to Matthew 24. Let's read on. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The parable of the talents, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went out to, at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came to settle accounts with him. After a long time. After a long time. The virgins were asleep and drowsy. These guys were like, I'm coming back in a long time. Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents. More, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of the master. And we know what happened with the one talent. Got kicked out. Hmm. Then verse 31, we'll just read this and that'll be it. And we'll unpack this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then it was the verse we read out in, with Luke and Sarah. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you... It's a very different picture to Matthew 24. Hmm. Moses 
Moses didn't enter the promised land. Why? The law was never meant to enter the promised land. You know, in Peter, they argue over, it says that the uh, Gabriel, uh, Archangel Michael or Gabriel argues over the body of Moses to come into the promised land with Satan, with Lucifer. It's a weird verse. I think it's in Peter or Titus or I can't remember where exactly it is, but it's in there. It's this weird verse. And it's like, why is that in there? The law of God was never meant to enter into the promised land. Moses is a representation of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. He fulfilled it. And he says in Matthew 25 where it says the bridegroom will, bridegroom will come out to meet him when the Son of Man comes in all his glory. He says uh, uh, the bridegroom came, right, come out to meet him. What in Acts 1, you know, in Acts 1 where he, he leaves and it says the, eight, the, two, the two men are standing there and they said, as you see Jesus leaving, so all will see him returning. It won't be this thing of like, is he here? It'll be like, he's here. <laughs> right? But it's, it's such a beautiful picture and it's something that I, I, <laughs> I, want us to, I want us to really focus on here because Jesus in Matthew 24, where he starts, oh, is it Matthew 24? No, Matthew 22, sorry. Where he comes into the temple, he flips the tables and then he, he starts to heal the blind people. He heals the blind and the lame, right? I know I'm jumbling around a bit. I will tie this together. He heals the, the blind and the lame. What's Jesus doing? He's starting. Jesus came to, to whenever you would come into a town, a, an, a caravan of people would come and they would bring, it's, it's, I've used this analogy before, but it's the Aladdin, you know, when Aladdin came to town. And Prince Ali comes in, he sings his song and he's got the elephants and the dancers and the sword throwers and the, you know, all that. It's like he's bringing the best of his kingdom. And when Jesus comes to town, he's bringing his king, the king's domain. He's bringing the best and he's saying, this is the best that my father has to offer. This is an exact representation of the kingdom of God. You want to know what God's like? Look at me. Jesus, not Liam, Jesus, right? Look at Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen God. You want to know what the kingdom of God's like? It's like Jesus. So if you can't find it in the life of Jesus, don't call it God. Oh yeah, Liam, but what about Job? I'm not a disciple of Job, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Change covenants. <laughs> I'm not in the disciple of the law, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Change covenants. We're in a better covenant, Hebrews says. And Jesus is displaying, he's flipping the tables of the temple because he's saying, I'm going to cleanse this house and I want you to experience the kingdom. What's the kingdom of God like? It's like your oil full. It's your oil full and overflowing. It's, it's, you've been given a measure of the kingdom to steward here on earth. And if we, we have the right understanding of that, we, the Hebrews says he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
The Bible says, seek first his kingdom and all these things get added. He adds things. We seek his kingdom and he does add things. And we don't often like it. We're like, we're like, oh, that person's like, they sought the kingdom of God and now they're highly favoured of God and we're, we're like jealous or something. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, they sought the kingdom of God. Let's celebrate it. <laughs> let's, let's, like, I, I know often people have, I've heard people say to me, Todd White makes me uncomfortable because I'm not operating in, the, do you know he leads about 14 people to the Lord every day? on an average. You can do two things with those things. You can let it offend you or you can let it provoke you. Right? It's like, it's challenging. It's challenging. We're like, oh, well, I'm not, it's like, yeah, we're supposed to be like Christ. (laughs) We're Christ-like and we have the kingdom of God in us and we can be good stewards of it and then he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You were faithful with little. It's not about the amount of talents you have. It's what he's given you to be faithful with. Here he says, in Matthew 21, he's, in Matthew 22, he starts to pray for the sick, starts to pray for the blind. And I just, I correlate that story because, you know, when John the Baptist comes on the scene and John the Baptist, right, Jesus' cousin. Okay, like, picture this with me, right? Jesus' cousin, he's grown up with Jesus. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, which is just one of the best phrases in the Bible because he doesn't keep you in your sin. He takes it away, which is just awesome. It's a good deal. And then, and then John the Baptist is in prison and he's like, hey, Jesus, are you really the one? You know that story? Sends his disciples, go and ask Jesus, is he, he really the one or should we look for another? And what does Jesus say to John? Go and tell John what I'm doing. I'm healing the sick. I'm, I'm, I'm giving recovery of sight to the blind. Do you know there's no blind people healed until Jesus comes on the scene? There's not one blind person healed. Until Jesus comes on the scene and he starts to heal the blind. I think John would have known Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, give recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm not busting you out of prison, (laughs) but this is what I'm doing. Jesus brought his best. He brought the kingdom of God and then he left you and I in charge. And he said, I've got the keys of the kingdom back, boys and girls, and here they are. And I want you to go and extend the kingdom of God. Jesus said, upon this rock, the rock of the revelation of Christ, not on the rock of Peter, on the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is, I want, I want to build my church. And the church for a long time has built the church and we wonder who's extending the kingdom of God. It's our job to extend the kingdom of God. It's his job to build the church. We need to let him be really good at his job. He's really good at it. 
He's really good at killing sinful people and resurrecting them with Holy Spirit oil inside them and giving them the kingdom. He's just really good at that. But then there is a response. I don't mean literally killing. I mean spiritually killing, by the way, if you're like, you know, for the podcast out there. and <laughs> Right? Oh, my goodness. Glory City, believe in killing people. No. <laughs> Cut that out there. <laughs> um but he's really good at his job and he's like, now you've got the kingdom inside you. That's the Matthew 25. And he's saying, have your oil full. Be full of the Holy Ghost and power and let it leak out. So you're not just ready for. We're going to look at John 17. It's the last verse we're going to look at. But it's, it's not just where we're not waiting in a rescue boat for Jesus to come back one day. While the, hell, while the world goes to hell in a handbasket, that's not, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that gets planted and grows to become the biggest tree. It gets planted and it grows from glory to glory, from strength to strength, and it becomes and it manifests on earth. The only reason... The only reason the world could possibly get darker is that Christians have put their light under a basket and aren't doing anything with it. That's the only reason that the world gets that. I don't full, I'm not fully in that camp because I'm like, man, we have the gospel that started, you know, the, uh, the ecclesia in the Old Testament. Can you tell I'm passionate? I'm not angry at you guys. I just love you. Okay. All right. Smile. <laughs> All right, so the Ecclesia was the remnant ones. It was the ones that, it was the Abrahams, the Lots, the da-da-da, and they would dwindle down, the Noahs, they dwindled down to the last lot of those, not lot, but the, the, those group of people, right? And there'd be eight or 12 or 15 or whatever left. When Jesus came and he said, you're my church, this is my church, which I will build, you're my ecclesia, he started with one, him, a seed. He was a seed. He started with one, and got, he got three close friends, Peter, James, and John. Then he had 12 others, that, or nine others that did life with him. My maths is good, eh? And then he had nine others, then he had 72, then he had 120, then there was 3,000, then they multiplied, and then it just went boom at Matthew 24 and spread out to the rest of the the world and it just went and they say today charismatic Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world today right there is good stuff happening the kingdom of God is advancing because he said it will advance he said on his shoulders there will be no end right and so the kingdom of God is advancing it's increasing people are coming to know the Lord people are getting saved people are getting healed I'm not burying my head in the sand and saying that there's not bad things that are going on out in the world we need we know that. But I'm not focused on that. I will not let that dictate and determine the move of God that God wants to do on planet Earth. I'm not moved by the devil's agenda. I'm moved by his agenda. Because his voice is what I'm interested in. I'm not in I couldn't care about what the devil has to say. I'm interested in his voice and as strangers I'm not interested in following. Because Mary and Martha, the Mary and Martha thing, how we sit at the feet of Jesus and Mary is busy doing stuff for God. Martha is busy doing stuff for God. Thanks, Sam. Just change scripture. <laughs> Smite me, Lord. 
Um, <laughs> Martha is doing stuff for God that Jesus wasn't. He, Mary chose the better portion. So the kingdom of God is, and it's a bridegroom meeting the meeting his. You know, it's the bride meeting the bridegroom. It's a wedding feast. It's a celebration. It's where it's the, it's the parable of the prodigal son. Come home, the ring, the robe, the sandals, party, feast, kill the lamb, <laughs> celebrate. It's very different to Matthew 24. Hmm. <laughs> The kingdom of God is like the woman who sweeps the house. Jesus preached on the kingdom of God 106 times. It's the second or third? No, it's the most. It's the most talked about thing, the kingdom of God. I think it's the kingdom of God, love, money. can't remember what number four is. Turn with me to John 17. You're like, what has this got to do with the apostolic stuff? This is the culture you and I are meant to manifest on planet Earth. We are in that day and age. We are in the age of the king's domain. We've been transferred from the domain of darkness and given into the kingdom of his beloved son. There will be a day, we read it in Matthew 25, where Jesus comes and separates the goat from the sheep. There will be that day. There will be a separation. Until that day comes, let's get on with proclaiming the kingdom, releasing the kingdom everywhere we go. John 17, 3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is the truth about God. Full stop. He is the truth about who God is. It's no longer confusing anymore. The mystery has been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Good name for a church. A bit long. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Church of Melbourne. <laughs> I, um, this is eternal life, that we know God. Okay? Jesus said that, so that means it's possible that we can know God. 
He said it, I believe it, let it be. You want to know what the kingdom's like? Seek the king. You want to know what the kingdom of God's like? Look at the king of that kingdom. It's Jesus. He said it. He demonstrated it. He modelled it. And then he said, now you go do the same. Tag, you're in. Your turn. It's better for me to go because I'll lead you and guide you into all truth. It's better for me to go because I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. It's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit comes and deposits inside you. Oil, overflowing, talents, whatever it looks like. There's a story of, who knows who Alexander Dowie is? We'll close with this. Anyone else know who Alexander Dowie is? Okay, Alexander Dowie was around in the uh, late 1800s. Actually started his ministry in Melbourne, went to Sydney, had a church of 12 people and thought this isn't working out. Went up to, went to America and in Chicago, Illinois, and he had a um, ministry there where they had a preacher and a healing minister on every street corner. And it was declared at that time, Chicago was declared the healthiest city in the world. Um, and then Alexander Dowie got a little bit weird and started a, a city called Zion, uh, which only just got released back to the city last year, I think, or two years ago. Anyway, he, he didn't finish great, Alexander Dowie, but he started, he started okay. And he, um, anyway, uh, there's a, a man by the name of Banning Leipshire. Some of you may have heard of him. He's, a, he's Jesus Culture's senior pastor. And he tells this story of how he went to Zion, the city of Zion in Chicago, and he went there and Alexander Dowie's house was there and he, he just wanted to visit it because he just, oh, I love the stories that came out of Dowie's ministry and regardless that he finished poorly, he's like, just love that, what he did. And he went after a city, he went after a revival in a city and he got into the house and the power in the whole village, in the whole Zion, cut out, turned off. And they looked around the house and they just were looking at the old artifacts and different things. And Banning thought to himself, wouldn't it be funny if when I touch the handle of the door, the power goes back on? So he touches the handle of the door and the power goes back on in the entire city of, of Zion. And they just paused for a moment and they thought, what are you saying, Lord? And Banning says, I felt like the Lord said, if the power of God doesn't leave the building, it will die inside the building. Jesus cleansed the temple and crushed it on purpose. And then he says, now the kingdom of God shall be like people that have their lamps full. Now the kingdom of God is like an owner of a land who goes away for a long time, but he hands 
that land to the people that are occupying it. And he says, do something with this. Don't put it in the ground and bury it. Do something with it. Not out of obligation or out of a sense of religious duty, but out of, we have the kingdom of God dwelling in us. We have the king dwelling in us. And if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, look at the king. This is eternal life that they would know God. I guarantee you in this move of God that I believe God's doing, if we keep it locked inside of the four walls of a church, it will die inside the four walls of the church. You see that in Acts 2 when Peter's on the way to the temple. And he sees the man begging for money. And he says, give me money. And he says, I don't have money, but what I do have, I freely give you. Pick up your mat and walk. We've been freely given the kingdom. And the more we give away, the more the oil flows. It's just the way the kingdom of God works. The more you give away, freely you've received, freely give, the more God entrusts to you. And it's not, a, it's not a performance thing. It's not a works-based mentality, Christianity. But it is a, this is eternal life. We know God. Oh my goodness, that's who you are. I have to give this away. I cannot keep this to myself. I have to let my light shine before all men so that all may know and glorify who you are. All right, why don't you stand? How that outworks is between you and the Lord. <laughs> that's, that's where the body becomes the body and we grow into unity. All things get built together into the unity of Christ, Ephesians 4.12 talks about. That we're knitted together. We need the toes and the belly buttons and the elbows. And it, it, can't, it can't be on the... And, and trust me, this isn't me. I don't feel this at all. I'm just stirring you guys up. But it's the kingdom of God advancing on planet Earth um, can't be on just one or two handfuls of, in, of individuals. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about it, says that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, what's ministry? Well, our first ministry that you and I have is unto the Lord. That's the first ministry we have, unto God. Know him, make him known. It's not complicated. It's deep and profound, but it's not complicated. Know him. That's the first one. Make, be known by him. You know that verse he says, get away from me. I never knew you. 
That scares the heck out of me, that verse. It's a sobering verse. <laughs> Make yourself known before him. Know God. Let him know you. Oh, yeah, Liam, but he knows me. Yeah, open your heart up to it. <laughs> it's not a relationship if you... Oh, yeah, I don't ever talk to him and I don't ever make myself known. That's just not a relationship. And then the third thing is make him known. You've been given something. I don't, I don't know what it is. You've been given something. Do something with it. Don't just hide it under a, a basket. Don't just hide it under your bed. And I just want to encourage, I feel like there's people in here that um, you've been through church culture and you've been burnt out because it's been all about works. It's been all about the doing and not the being. And I feel like the Lord's just cracking things open to where you see clearly the things, who you are, and what you're meant to be doing in this season. Could be a season of rest for, for some, for others it's a season of you, you, the Lord's calling you into something specifically and that's totally fine. It's going to be different for everyone. Uh, but I, I feel like there are people as well that, that just really need to crack, break off those old shackles of, of church culture and Glory City, let's go on the journey of what does it look like to actually have a kingdom culture and the culture of the king. And I heard a great, I can't remember who said it, but church culture won't work everywhere. Kingdom culture will work everywhere. Church culture won't work. You can't replicate this. But kingdom culture will work everywhere you go. We'll work in your family, we'll work in your marriages, we'll work in your kids, we'll work in your finances, we'll work in your outworking of, the, of your ministry. All of those things. And I'm not talking about, when you hear that word ministry, I'm not talking about, oh, now you have to go and start an evangelistic ministry or anything like that. You, your ministry is unto God and wherever you are. Some of you, it's your ministry is your workplace. That It's like, oh, you're a son. You're a daughter. That's your ministry. God's got you in, like, working's healthy. <laughs> it's a good thing. Does that make sense? Cool. All right. Let's put out your hands. Stretch out your hands. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, may we be full of oil. Hmm. May the oil of God just be running over right now. Those that maybe have the, the oil is low, may there just be a, a filling up right now in this room. May we fix our eyes on you who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And may what the enemy has stolen for the domain of darkness, may the sons and daughters of God start to advance the kingdom and get territory back. May the atmosphere of heaven that resides over Glory City, over the churches in this region, over the Yarra Valley, over Lilydale, over our homes. May the atmosphere of heaven be greater than the atmosphere of darkness. That the darkness cannot comprehend the light. The light will always conquer darkness. 
And may the power of God not reside just in a building, but may it leave the four walls of this church. May it leave in the ecclesia, in the church. May we not just come to church, but may we become the church. May we do unto the least of these, as that next passage says in Matthew 25. May we give you a drink. May we clothe you. May we feed you. May we heal the sick as you told us to do and cast out demons and set the captives free. May we not be about self but we would die to ourself. We would deny ourself. We would realize we've died and our life is now hidden with you, Jesus. Make that a reality in our life, God. Make that a reality in our life that it wouldn't be about ourselves. That we wouldn't enter into a subtle form of pride, but we'd be deny ourselves. And let you arise, God, in our life. And I pray right now for your wraparound presence, God, for those that have been hurt by the church, that have been wounded by the church, that have been burnt out by the church, God. May you comfort them in their time of need. May their eyes not be fixed on a man or a woman or on a, on a personality, but may their eyes be fixed on you, Jesus. And Jesus, I just give you full permission to, for you to build this church, for you to build the house of God. But may we be good stewards of your kingdom, God. May we be good stewards of your kingdom. May we look for opportunities to advance your kingdom. To culturize this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.